Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated, and uh, lights are coming up there, so thank you guys for doing that, tech team, and uh, and it's good to, as I already said, it's good to be with you today on this beautiful fall day. Haven't you loved the weather? You know, there's those, in the Ozarks, there are those, what, like five weeks out of the year where it's just perfect, just perfect, and we experienced one of those this past week. Uh, sorry for those of you watching who are in other parts of the country, but just had to share a little bit about the local weather because I am a Midwesterner, uh, so that's just who I am. Hey, a couple of things that I want you to be aware of as far as some upcoming dates and some things to mark on your calendar. In the past, we have uh, done, we would celebrate the fall by having a pumpkin days, a bonfire. In the past, we've done it at Rutledge Wilson, and uh, just, you know, just really is a time of relaxation, not a lot of, lot, lot of things, not a lot of moving parts happening. We, in the past, would allow Rutledge Wilson to create the moving parts and make that happen, and we would just enjoy a fire and would enjoy chili dogs. And Well, Rutledge Wilson canceled their pumpkin days this year, but we thought it would still be good for us to have a bonfire. So on October 17th, uh, on that Saturday, we're going to have our own bonfire in the field back here. You know, it's one of the benefits of being in the county versus the city. We don't have to get a permit from the city to have a bonfire. And uh, we're just going to have a fire uh, for our people, uh, for your friends and our friends as well. Um, going to be pretty simple, okay? We're going to make sure we're going to be very wise about cooking hot dogs. We're not going to have bins where you just go and grab a hot dog, but everything will be sealed. Um, Obviously, if you feel comfortable eating a hot dog, that's fine. There's not going to be anyone standing there trying to force a, a dog down your throat, okay? And so if that makes you uncomfortable, then don't eat one. But the beautiful thing about a bonfire is you can sit as close or as far away from folks as you want. Uh, we will have s'mores, and we've already talked about how to individually package those to make sure they're safe. Make sure you grab a package and you're not, you know, we don't have a hundred hands grabbing into a, a bag of, of marshmallows and things like that. Uh, we will have a little pumpkin patch for, for our kids to grab a pumpkin and, and take a pumpkin home with them. Uh, that should be a fun event and invite you to be a part of that. Uh, the second thing that's actually just right up on, on uh, right up in front of us, isn't it, Miss Susan, is our, uh, our GIC weekend, Right. That's uh, going to be October 2 through 4. You should have received a letter in the mail uh, just reminding you of the importance and how GIC is really part of the lifeblood of who we are. Uh, we, uh, we take time out every two years to, to bring missionaries in to hear what God is doing across the world. And we have missionaries. If you received a, a packet, if you received that pack in the mail, the missionaries' names, if you notice, there was just first letters to our letters indicating their first and last name. And the reason being is because uh, this year especially, uh, almost every missionary that we have coming are people that live and they operate and they serve in countries and in parts of the world where it is illegal to be a Christian. And it is most certainly, most definitely illegal to be a Christian trying to lead other people to Christ and trying to grow or create the church in those lands. And so for security reasons, in, in those 
published things where, where we were told to just not give names, but just, just give initials. I want you to know, though, that we have people coming from Asia. We have people coming from Indonesia, people coming from countries in Africa, in South America, uh, from, from Polynesian islands. Uh, we have people coming from all over the world. You, in that packet, to, and we're going to hear from them about what God is doing. And uh, we're going to hear about how we can be praying. We're going to hear about what we can do to stand in the gap for those ministries and for those organizations. And then uh, also in that packet, you receive the, the information card where we just simply ask not for a commitment, because in the, in the 12 years that we've been doing this, we've never followed up with someone afterwards and said, hey, where are you at on your commitment, right? We've never had that kind of accountability. We don't need that kind of accountability. But what we do is those cards, we refer to them as your feedback card, where you're just giving us feedback about how God is so moved in your heart to participate in our going global plan. And on that card, there's three big things. There's, uh, there's a spot there where we're asking, who are you praying for? And will you be praying this year for some of the missionaries that you've encountered, some of the organizations that you're aware of that we support? Uh, how will you be giving you know, we have our, our Going Global Fund where we take a special offering every week. Every week you have the opportunity to give to a special offering if you so choose. And all of those funds, not a penny of that goes towards paying the bills for our congregation. Not a penny of it goes towards paying for um, electricity or paying staff or, or buying materials or supplies or taking care of the purchase of our coffee or any of our hospitality things, uh, 100% of our Going Global Fund goes towards missionaries and these efforts that we've talked about. And uh, we have an opportunity within that packet, you received also what our budget will be for the next two years of who are the missionaries, who are the agencies, who are, what are the organizations that we will be supporting over the next two years. And, uh, and so you can see that literally, it's amazing, amazing uh, to think that a congregation our size has the kind of impact across the world. You know, you realize today, today, uh, because of you, because of your generosity and your stewardship and the leadership of, that we've taken, the choices we've made as a church, there are, are kids in Nepal being fed. There are kids and women, young, young ladies and mothers in Africa who have dealt with the plight of AIDS who are being ministered to. There's a hospice in Africa where people are dying and they are able to die with dignity and they're able to receive care to the very last second of their life. And in that process, they're, they're being shared with, they're uh, being given the hope that, Jesus, that we have in Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, there are people receiving training and education and leadership training in South America, pastors are receiving that education because of you and your generosity. Uh, human trafficking is being fought, not just in our country, but across the world, and in Thailand uh, specifically, because of your generosity. Those are just a smattering of things, just a few things of many things that you're able to, and we have been able to accomplish over the years through our going global budget. So one of the things we'll be asking is what will you, what do you sense God telling you to do for the next couple of years uh, as we continue to, to live that going 
global budget out as we continue to give to causes. We want to be good stewards. So we don't want to overpromise mm-hmm. and make promises to people where the, just a few months later we have to say, we're sorry, but you know what? The, the budget's not here. We're, we're not able to give any longer. At the same point, we don't want to under-promise either, right? We don't want to tell people, well, we, we just don't have anything, and the reality is we just grow uh, you know, a, a, a budget or we grow a bank account because we're assuming uh, you know, we're just assuming that, well, the money's here now, but what if it's not here in a, in a month from now? What if it's not here in a couple of months from now? Let's be cautious with this. We want to be able to be the best stewards of those finances as we possibly can. The third area that we ask for your feedback on is the idea of going, of going. And in the past, it's been a, real simply just saying, hey, we're going to have mission trip experiences throughout the year. Would you be interested in going on one of our mission trips? Or would you be interested in, if you discover a mission trip, a mission experience of your own, would you be willing to step out and find your own mission experience and go on a short-term trip or even a long-term trip? And, and while that opportunity, that, that question is still there, we also recognize that this year it might be a little more difficult to find many viable short-term mission experiences. So one of the things we're going to do differently this year that I'm really excited about Real, and, and I realize when you have to say you're excited, then that communicates to people like, are you really excited? Yeah, we, I am. I am. This is something kind of cool here because we're going to, to put our money where our mouth is. And, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, on the Sunday of our Going Global, I'm going to share with you a new operation, a new way for us to go and maybe never even leave our city, maybe never even leave your home even, uh, but a plan in which we partner with you and help you find and discover the passion that you are, the thing that you are passionate about and help strategize with you how to step in the gap for that thing and then to even say, how can we help help you fund that thing? And uh, we're going to talk more about that. I'm going to unpack that on the Sunday of our Going Global And it's going to be something, it's going to be a project where we're going to have for the rest of this year where we as a church are partnering with you in a real way, in a very practical way, and uh, in in a way that that compels you to stand in the gap for people in your community, uh, for people who are hurting, for people who need the love of Christ. So I just wanted to share that with you this week. We'll be talking more about that online and and, in the posting we'll be doing. I'll be doing the newsletter that we'll be sending out on Monday. Uh, so just be paying attention to that, okay? I want you to be aware of those things. Um, let's transition into our time here where we go into God's Word. Uh, it occurred to me, when we started the process, whatever, three months ago, four months ago, when we started peeking our heads out of our bunkers, when we began looking again for our car keys, we were finding our discount cards, or our membership cards to our favorite restaurants, and we started going and venturing out into the world. When the world began to reopen, I challenged us, uh, challenged our church by asking some questions. Uh, These questions are questions that I and Dana are navigating our family with, and, and I'm navigating in my life helping expose the fears, helping expose maybe the areas that, uh, the blind areas of my life. And, and I shared these questions with you several months ago on a post 
that I did on a Thursday. Some of you see that, uh, some of you don't. And so uh, it was poignant enough. I, at that time that I shared that, I thought this is something we need to say and need to give to the entire church. And I've just been waiting for an opportunity. And as we came into this time of looking at how do we stay positive, and I just thought this is a perfect time to ask these questions and challenge you saying maybe these are questions that you need to adopt for yourself as you're navigating what life looks like for you in this season. The first question I ask myself is, I just say, am, am I, Tony, am I prepared to live the next year or even longer with limited friendships and limited life experiences? And that's a question I give to you. Are you prepared to live the next year even in a limited capacity where your friendships are distant at best or maybe they're just non-existent even in this season because you're telling yourself, well, it's just going to be another month or two. And the reality is, you know, there's some people, you could, we could say they're naysayers, we can say, we can say they're gloomy people or they're doomsday folks, but there is a thought out there that, that the reality that we live in today could last through 2021 even. And so this isn't just a, a few months, this isn't a blip of what we're experiencing life as, just, you know, we just got to get through to Christmas and it'll be okay, but it could be a little bit longer. The second question I found myself asking myself and Dana was, what are we teaching to our kid, to our son, Dax, based on the choices that we are making? The question I would say to you is, what are you teaching by example? What are you sharing with your children based on the choices you're making of doing life right now? What are you telling them is important in life and what is not important? What can you stay away from and, and you'll be fine with what you're saying and what you have to have in your life? What are, what are the choices? What are you teaching your children by example? The third question that I've been using to navigate my life with is how is this season and the choices that I'm making affecting my faith, affecting my friendships and relationships with other people? And so I would pose it to you as saying, how is this season and your choices affecting your faith and affecting your friendships, your relationships with others? With that in mind, I just want to have a, a time of reading the scriptures found in Hebrews chapter 10. If you have a copy of scripture, I invite you to turn there. If the, you have scriptures on your phone or you have a hard copy of the Bible, we're in Hebrews 10. We're also going to have these words uh, on online here. I shared this up front. I've been reminded this week uh, things that have been powerful. When we've seen real change corporately as a church or individually in people's lives when they've had breakthroughs that have been life-changing, it's occurred to me that every one of those, not a majority of them, I'm saying every one of those things that I can track in the 15 years that we've existed, they've not, become, they've not come because of a powerful speaker or because I'm up here, a handsome, a very handsome man, winsomely challenging you to think and look at life through my perspective, right? Uh, they've not come through philosophy or through some poignant sociological study that I'm 
trying to use. They don't even come because of some Jedi mind trick that I employ upon you. But rather, when we've seen real change and just, just transformation in people's lives, it's every time come because God's word, whether it was read or sung or preached, took a hold either of us corporately as a body where we've made big changes and became faithful to the Lord in those areas, or, or if it's just through an individual who just heard the Word of God and it made a difference in their life. And so I share that to say that I want to read this scripture, but before I read this, I want to pray on just that, that this scripture doesn't get lost with me being cute today, or me telling some funny story, or me telling some kind of you know, it's doing something that I end up somehow diminishing the Word of God. I somehow take away from that. So just pray with me right now. Lord, we come before you as we open up your book of Hebrews. And God, I ask that you penetrate our conscience and that your Word would convict us today, would convict us in righteousness, would challenge us, God, I pray that that would be the case. May nothing I say in this moment, nothing I do detract from it. May nothing I do take away from the glory of your word, God, because we know your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that it's your word that transforms our lives. And so may it just shine brightly in the moments to come. In Jesus' name, amen. The writer of Hebrews says this. Now remember, the, the people that are hearing this are Christians who are worn out. They're worn out with life. They're depressed and they're discouraged. Life did not turn the way they thought it would. They really believed that by this point, Jesus would have returned, his kingdom would be restored, and they would be ruling and reigning with him. But instead, their families have turned on them, their property has been confiscated. They are outlaws in their own society. And they're sitting there going, enough. We can't take any more of this. And the writer says this under the influence of the Holy Spirit in verse 22 of chapter 10. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Friends, what I'd say to you today as we look at how do we stay positive, what we are, need to do is recognize that we are called to engage. To engage. What do you mean, Tony, by engage? Well, I'm just taking a look at this passage of Scripture, and I see that there are at least three big areas of life where God is telling us to engage. Verse 22, as he says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. I see that God is telling us 
that we need to engage in God's presence. Let us engage in his presence. Now, we are reminded of some things here in this word. First of all, this engaging of God's presence is not from our own merit. It's not from our own goodness. It's not uh, our own works. The writer's not trying to encourage that you be a morally upright person and a superior person to the neighbors, to your right or to your left, and you engage because, by golly, you're just a good person. But he's reminding us because of that our, our guilty consciousness. Why are our consciousness guilty? Because the reality is every one of us are sinners before God. Every one of us have failed in incredible ways. That is the one thing that all of us have in common. We are all sinners. We have all messed up supremely. Not by accident, not by just our ignorance. The reality is, is we are obstinate people by nature. We are selfish people by nature. We are stubborn people by nature. These are all things that God, you cannot have in your life to have a life uh, where you're passionate for the things of God. We are sinners. But the good news is in the midst of our sin, the writer reminds us that we can be, our, our consciousness can be smoothed out because of Christ's work, because of his blood cleansing us, because of what Jesus did on the cross, our sin is dealt with. Our, our rebellion is squelched. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we have the ability to draw into and engage God's presence. He made it possible to engage. He made it possible. Jesus made it possible for us to call God our Father. Jesus made it possible. He paved the road for us to have a vital relationship, a vital walk. Uh, ability to go to God any time of the day in prayer and engage with God's presence. But not only should we engage in God's presence, verse 23 reminds us that we are to engage in God's promises. Verse 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. What hope do you have in life? is the question I ask you. What hope do you, what draws you close to the Lord? What draws you, uh, what gives you hope in this world? What gives you the reason to get up in the morning? It's very important as Christ followers for us to maybe spend some time thinking about that. Been reminded, been reminded this week by the things that's happened in our world of recognizing uh, you know, the death of a Supreme Court justice and, you know, recognizing how many people put their hope in the political system or they put their hope in a person, seeing that heating up, whether uh, folks are speaking uh, about Donald Trump or folks are speaking about Joe Biden, folks are speaking about uh, political personalities in our world. And I'm drawn to the sad conclusion that too many of the church we're finding our hope in a political person or a political system. And friend, I speak and I, I do not stutter and I share this knowing that I could end up ending a relationship with someone on the right or someone on the left. But I say that if your hope is found in a political system, whatever persuasion, your sights are too short. Your sights are set too low. 
You are looking for something in this day and age, and I tell you, the long game for us is eternity, is eternity. I recognize that there are people that we put our hope in our, in our family. Friends, I'm here to tell you, no matter how good you think your family is, you give it enough time, it will disappoint. They will disappoint. And if you think you're superior, let me tell you this, you will disappoint your family also. And so I would tell you, do not place your hope in your family. If you think your wealth or the ability that you have a hardworking blue collar background that you can work your way out of a situation. And I'm sharing that if you're saying, wow, he's preaching to me. No, I'm preaching to myself here because this is my thing. I grew up from a blue-collar dad who taught me to work through any problem, and if I worked hard enough, I could get out of anything. I could get through anything, and, and that's how I've lived my life. But let me tell you that if I am putting my hope in my, my work ethic or my ability to be smart with money or whatever, you know what? One of the things, one of the beautiful things that COVID taught me was very quickly we saw how fast a person's bank account could, could go up right? And how fast the creation of money could be, could be squashed. If we place our hope in our wealth, let me tell you, we're placing it and we're squandering our hope. Spend some time this week reflecting on what hope do you have and where is it found? Let me tell you my hope. I challenge myself. And the reason I ask these questions that I pose to you is to remind myself that my hope is found in God saving me. My hope is found in God providing for me. My hope is found in God making me a part of his people. And those statements carry profound implications for how life unfolds in front of me. But not only are we called to engage God's presence and engage God's promises, verse 24 and verse 25 shares, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us engage in God's people, friends. We're called to engage in his presence. We're called to engage in his promises, but we're also called to engage in God's people. You want to stay positive in this world? Those are three areas that need to be deep in your lives. Those are three areas that need to run true in your life. Those are three areas that if you think about them as muscles, then you need to engage those muscles and work them on a regular basis. We are called to act in love and do good works to each other and to our neighbors. We are called to encourage one another. The reality is we desperately need one another. We need one another. And I will say this too. In 35 plus years of the Christian experience in my life, and in 20 to almost 25 years of, of ministry experience in my life, I've seen a mystery played out over and over and over again. If I get ahead of myself here, forgive me. But the truth is that this passage shows us that we experience power when we draw together. Now, again, I might be jumping ahead of myself. And if I repeat myself, then it just meant that this point is meant to be repeated. 
so one of the conversations I'll have with folks who are distant, they'll say, I'm still watching. I'm still watching. I'm watching online. And hear me clearly. I'm so thankful that we have our streaming services. I'm so thankful that that technology exists. If this pandemic occurred 25 years ago, what the best we could do would be to create videotapes or uh, DVDs if we were on that side and we get them out to you in a timely fashion. And the best of our ability is uh, you would be hearing a message that would be two weeks old and you'd be watching it, you know, when it comes in the mail or it comes on your doorstep, you put it in your VCR, you put the tape in your VCR, you put the cassette recording in your cassette player, you uh, put it in a DVD player and you watch it two weeks after the fact. That would be the very best. And, and let me tell you, that's, that, I'm so thankful that we don't have to rely on that technology, but we can actually stream live. And people, you watching us live, we're so glad you're watching us. And I would, I, I'm, I'm, would rather that than you not watching, right? Than you not engaging. But let me tell you about something when people share that. Here is the truth is you're getting something, but in turn, you're not able to give anything back. You see, because the reality is, is something mysterious. A miracle happens every Sunday when we draw together physically. And as I worship and as you worship, guess what? This doesn't make sense, but it's the truth. You bless me. You realize that? See, if you think you're just coming here and you're getting something, yes, you are. But you're also giving something. You're giving something. Do you realize that some of you just simply saying hi to you? Okay, now I'm going to get real selfish and talk about me, okay? So, so I want you to know how you bless me here so you understand that you're doing something here. When I see you and we're able to have even that 30-second conversation, and it might be something just dumb. And you know, if you've, you've been around me, you know I say we have dumb conversations sometimes. But you realize that in the process that that connection, something incredibly spiritual happens, something mysterious, where you give me the ability to go on and move a little further down the road. You do. And when you do that with one another, you do that to one another. When you are able to engage and just have some conversation and you pat someone on the back, that moves someone down the road in an incredible way. And see, that is unable to happen when we are all scattered into our bunkers and we're just streaming. That miracle does not take place. You're receiving something. And hear me, when you're online right now, I imagine people just tuning out right now going, well, if you don't want me, fine, I'm off. I'm off. No, no, no. But I want you to understand that if that's your long-term fix, then you're missing out on something and you're also missing out on blessing other people. Because, because that's part of the beauty when God is telling us, let us engage one another. Let us draw near to one another. It's not because God knows that there's somebody that's sitting in a Sunday school office that just needs to do a head count every Sunday and just loves checking people's names off going, yep, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here. No, it's because your very presence in another person's life does something incredibly important. And sometimes it's very mundane and it's just slapping someone on the back and, uh, or bumping elbows 
elbows or whatever we're supposed to do nowadays and, and just encouraging them. But then there's other times where someone walks in these doors and their face looks like they have the thousand yard stare on their face and they've been so beaten up and so discouraged and so defeated. They don't know if they can move any farther in life. And then what happens? Some people who love them see that and they gather around that person. And I'm telling you, over the 15 years at Northbridge, there have been many a prayer session I've had in the corners here where I just grab someone and I see how terrible life's been for them. And I grab a couple of their friends and say, let's just pray for each other right now. And we have a prayer session in that very moment. And let me tell you what happens spiritually in that person's life is greater than what a paramedic could do in saving someone's life. And so when we are scattered apart, that doesn't happen, friends. So if you're satisfied saying, well, I'm still being fed, well, great. I'm, I, again, I'm so glad that we're able to do that. But the sad thing that's happening is in this season, you're not able to give. And I will confess, you know, again, no one is, it's not just me, but I will confess, it's sometimes hard to continue to do life and ministry in the scope that we're doing it if there's not people around to encourage, right? You know, that's the reality. So here's the issue. Here's what we're talking about. I'm just going to set it down as far as how do we stay positive. Many of us, many of us have chosen to disengage the world, to stay at home because of fear of what's going to happen around us or fear of what could happen in our families, in our homes. And what we've done is we've pressed pause on our relationships, on our friendships, and our connections. Now, I get, I get that for some of us, this is a matter of life and death. I understand that. I had a conversation just this past week with a man, and I won't reveal his name because he didn't give me permission, but he's in his 80s. He has a ton of medical issues. And I looked at him and I said, yep, dude, you're right. If you got COVID, you probably would die. It would probably be a miracle if you lived. And I understand why you need to stay at home. But also, truth be told, there's those individuals and I get it, and I'm telling you, continue to do what you're doing. And this isn't the perfect situation, but it's the best we got. And so keep on living forward. Keep on moving forward in that. But, but also, truth be told, there are many of our families that we have gotten in just a, in a bad habit where our connecting and our engaging muscles have gotten weak and atrophied, and we're just simply not using them because it's harder to use those muscles than just to continue to live life as we've lived it the last six months. And I'm saying for you is that, that when, when I have seen, and I say this as a pastor and as your friend, over the last, over the last two months, I've made it an effort to try to connect to every person that counts themselves a member, a part of Northbridge Church to connect in a significant way. And if you're saying, you didn't connect to me, please let me know because somehow I've missed you and I apologize and I want to connect to you. But, but I've seen this. A reality I've seen is that every person and every family without exception, without exception, who's chosen to disengage and isolate, I see this. Your life is not better than when you were actively a part of your church. I know that. Now, maybe you don't feel it, but I've seen it. And I've seen some people on code red and they don't even see it, but like, like just everything around them. I mean, it, uh, just, it doesn't take anything for that person to explode in anger. Uh, some different folks I've talked to in the past. I've seen marriages just 
on the edge. I've seen relationships of people who were once close who love one another who don't like one another anymore. They allow something as trivial as party affiliation to be all it takes to create some kind of schism, some kind of chasm that they can't, they can't uh, broach. If you're unengaged, what I've experienced is through, through the last couple of months of just watching and observing is I've seen folks whose lives are fragmented and limited and hobbled. What am I asking? What am I saying today as far as how do you stay positive in this world? I'm saying engage your church. Engage your church. And so this is what I'm saying. Older folks and people who have serious life issues and that you have to stay at home because it's a matter of life and death, I get it. And I'm not, and I'm telling, don't come. Don't come. You don't experience for me giving you any kind of spiritual guilt trip here saying that you should be here. No, but this is what I'm saying. Get actively engaged. Stay actively engaged. Because what concerns me is I've talked to some of these older folks and because they feel uncomfortable on Zoom or they feel uncomfortable on Facebook, the reality is I talked through them long enough, they've not watched a single one of our streaming episodes. Or if they've watched, they've watched for 30 seconds and then life gets in the way and they turn it off. And so what I'm saying, if you have to stay at home, Stay engaged. And what does that mean? This is, here's the idea. Maybe in your mind you say, every day I'm going to do something to create some, an act of kindness to someone else. If I can't come to a church and have a church experience where I'm sharing myself to that person, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call that person and, and put it on your book of every day that you'll connect to a church member, a church person, and invest in that person's life through a phone call or writing a card. Well, Tony, I don't have time to do that. Well, To that, I just say bull, bull. You have time to do what's important in life, okay? So figure out a way that you can stay actively engaged. Watch, pray, contribute, connect. Consider being a part of our prayer team if you're not on that prayer team. And know that almost every Monday or Tuesday, I send out a letter, to an email to our prayer warriors saying, hey, here's some things this week you need to be praying for and be actively praying for those things. Make it a goal, as I've already mentioned, to call or connect to another believer on a daily basis. What I'm asking for is if you have to stay away, if you have to stay away, engage your church with the same level you're engaging the rest of your life. You know that, And that's the part that frustrates me. That's the part that where I'm scratching my head because I'll see on people's Facebook page, they're still going to things. They're doing things. They're doing things and they're going. And then when I, I'll occasionally say, ask someone, hey, well, how is it you can do this? You go to Walmart on a weekly basis, but you don't go to, uh, to your church. And they'll say, well, because I can wear a mask at Walmart. Well, guess what? You can wear a mask here. We have a masking protocol in place as people are coming back and forth and they can't socially distance, that they need to be wearing masks when you're coming in and out. And I would ask everyone to do that, to, to honor each other in that, respect one another that way. When you're seated and you're socially distanced, and I look, most people take their masks off because they feel comfortable with that, but some don't. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay, right? Engage this Engage your church life to the same level that you engage the rest of your life, right? That's what I'm asking. That's a way in which we stay positive in this world. If you're taking trips, if you're eating out, do you need to connect with other believers in small group? I will say that. I will say that. If you're, if you're feeling comfortable to go, even through a drive-thru, because guess what? 
People still touch, even though you're going through a drive-thru, you know what? There's people still touching your food. And I will remind you, how many people by a show of hands work fast food? Show of hands, show of hands. I'm not mocking, a couple of people are like, are you going to make fun? No, I'm not mocking. I'm going to say this, you've worked in fast food. You know, if you're like right now going, oh, well, they're doing everything 100% by the book. Did you and did the people around you when you worked in fast food? Oh, no, it's different now. Really? Oh, okay, okay. Hey, I got some property I'd like to sell you also, if you think that's true. So if you feel comfortable getting that cheeseburger, and I notice I used cheeseburger I didn't actually name because I didn't want to get sued by any of those you know, big hamburger people. If, if you're feeling comfortable eating that cheeseburger, you should feel comfortable engaging in a small group around you, okay? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying use faith and wisdom. Use faith and wisdom. Faith, God has this, and he has you. He's gotten you to this point in life. God's not walked away from his throne. Wisdom. We know more now than we did six months ago. Here's the good news. We're better off now. You realize in March, 15% of the people who received COVID at the age of 61 or older, 15% of those people died. You know what the number is now? You have to dig very deep in the onion through the layers of the onion to get this number because we would be told and we would like to think for whatever reason, it seems like there's elements in our society that's wanting to stoke up fear and panic in this world. But do you realize right now, as of the end of July, at the end of July, oh no, I'm sorry, at the end of August, at the end of August, that number is down to 2%. Now, we would still argue 2% is too many. Yes, I really, every death's a tragedy, but it's not the death sentence. Like I've talked to some adults who literally in their voice, they're like, if I get it, I die. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. We do not know that. You do not have to assume that you're going to die from getting this any more than if I walk out in the front yard, I'm going to get run over by a car and I'm going to die. Right? That's the same mentality there. Do you realize that we peaked at infection rates? We're hearing about schools and we're hearing, you know, you make it, we believe that it's just rampant, but you realize the numbers in America, we actually peaked in July with infection rates. And since then, we have been in a steady decline of infections, which tells me, and yep, I realize you anti-maskers are going to be really ticked off with me right now. And you think I'm the most liberal person in the world, but it seems like masking and social distancing is working. And I have no problem saying that. Because it seems like the protocols we're taking is mitigating and is minimizing many of the effects. So we have reason to have hope. But we use wisdom still. We use wisdom. Why? Why is this a burden? Why are we talking about this sermon? And why am I saying, hey, this is a reason for us to, to have hope, to continue to, uh, to stay positive? This is a burden because in essence, what I'm talking about is COVID and all the things that's happened as a result of COVID really have interrupted our faith. They have. They've interrupted much of the work of the church, and they've interrupted much of the work of, of God in your life. And I recognize that this picture of what's happening today happened to the Turner family 40 years ago, actually 46 years ago. You see, 46 years ago, my family were people that went to church, and they were active in church, but I came along, and for whatever reason, my mom never, she never understood why. She told me this 
Many times we had this discussion, but when I was born, that interrupted life enough that the Turners quit going to church. We quit. We quit. My brothers were in their 10, 11, 12-year-old age. So now the next five years, they're doing teenage life without the church, without faith community around them. And I, I don't joke, I say this with horror. Uh, when I watch the 70s show, I'm like, much of what happened in the 70s show, I saw as a four and five-year-old happening in my family's basement also from my brother's. We became a irreligious pagan family quickly. My brothers grew up as teens. I grew up as a child not knowing what Christmas was even about Jesus at the age of seven and eight. I had no clue what Easter was about. And make no mistake, friend, if you find yourself in that same boat, hear me clearly. There is no soccer league there is no football program. There is no math club or chess club. There's no after-school activity that's going to be able to shape your kids and form the kind of character and nurture their, your kid's soul and give them an eternal perspective that you want them to have other than being connected to the body of Christ. You see, it, my family's decision to disengage a church ruined our home. And that happened to our family. And yes, God did something miraculous. God reached out and he saved me as a young boy and put me in a faith community. It was a miracle, a miracle that he would save me. And then as a result of that, my dad gets saved just a few years ago. We're able to support as a church, go to Fellows Lake, and I'm, I get to baptize him. And he's a, he's a deacon now in his church. And one of my brothers counts himself a believer, and we have a great relationship. But still, to this day, my family is fractured and broken. And ultimately, it's because Christ is not at the center of our home. So I see what the decision of disengaging your church does. I see what the decision of disengaging your faith community does to your family. I'm not trying to be a heavy-handed jerk that just wants to butt my nose in your family. I'm not talking out of fear or feeling like I need to get more income for our church. The fact of the matter is we're at 115% budget. The last six, five months we've been there, we don't have a money worry at this point. I'm not sitting there, my ego is not so... so uh, shallow and so poor as to think, well, I just need 15 more people in this church to make me feel like I have arrived and I, I'm there now. I'm, I'm important. That's not what it's about. It's because I understand deeply what a broken, what a fractured family looks like. I understand deeply when people who have deep friendships walk away from them, what the fallout is. And I see what those decisions of disengaging does, and I implore you to start using your engagement muscles again if you've maybe stopped. And I, and I understand the people I'm speaking to in this room, you're here, you've engaged, right? I'm asking you 
to take the same message and share it with your friends. I'm asking you as you have opportunity to communicate to people who've disengaged that you would take what you've heard today and you would share it elsewhere. And I'm asking our folks online, if you, if you can't get out, then by golly, you can engage. You can still engage and do what you need to do to engage. And I'm asking those folks who are online watching us that maybe you can get out because you get out for things that are important to you. Would you just consider adding your faith family as one of those things on your list that's important, just as important as family, just as important as work responsibilities, just as important as going out and getting the groceries. I would argue that what we do here is as vital as feeding yourself physically. Those are the things I challenge you with because it's impossible for us in a world that is consistently getting more and more negative it is impossible for us to stay positive unless we're engaging, engaging our faith family in real ways. And so, so engage, friends. I ask you to engage. Figure out if, if the last thing I'll say, and then we're going to pray, and the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a final song. If, if the examples I gave, for whatever reason, about how to engage even when you're at home, if you're saying, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, then figure out something that I've not shared because I realize there's a lot of intelligence here. There's a lot of smart people in this room. There's a lot of smart people watching online. So figure out ways that you engage in your faith with your church and you're not doing it alone. You're not acting like a... Uh, like, like uh, you know, uh, an explorer or uh, a prospector out in the frontier, but you're, you're able to engage with your family and your faith family. That's all I ask for today. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. And Lord, I ask that in the midst of your word, as we read from Hebrews, let us draw near to you, God, and let us draw near to one another, even when times are tough, should I especially say, especially when times are tough, let us not give up those muscles and continue to engage those things. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.